is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Um, so, Jeremy, good to be hanging out with you today. <laughs> Hope all is well. It is so good to be hanging out with you. I am sharing this to my Facebook feed. It'll make sure everybody knows because we're talking about a really important topic today. Uh, we are, and it's also wholly appropriate that you and I are connecting online for this particular conversation right? because uh, we are going through the crash course on digital youth ministry, and we really wanted to give safe sanctuaries its own episode um, yes. during the conversations about digital youth ministry. Now, uh, safe sanctuaries is really like a blanket term that often gets tossed around with people not necessarily clearly understanding what that means. Um, safe sanctuaries is a registered trademark. It is a published resource that helps churches reduce the risk of abuse in their ministerial activities, okay? Um, so it's about reducing the risk of child abuse or abuse of vulnerable populations. Um, yep. And as you all know, in person, that means one set of things. And when you're having online connections, it's a whole nother set of things. So um, Jeremy, where do you wanna dive into this deep, deep well of how do we translate the um, goals and hopes of like transparency and safety that were written at a time when everything was in person to mm -hmm. the digital space. I think, I think we start with really is that the, the, the root idea of safe sanctuaries, right? The root sort of protocol that we have is two unrelated non-cohabitating adults, right? <laughs> Correct. That's it. Those that thing, two unrelated non-cohabitating adults in the real world, that means anytime that you're anywhere in like right there in that youth building, there's got to be if there's teenagers in there, there's got to be another adult that doesn't live with you, Chris, and is not related to you right. in the facility, uh, in that part of the facility for uh, for teenagers to be there. Um. Now, so in the digital world, we, we have to keep the same mantra, right? Yeah. Two unrelated, non-cohabitating adults and, and need, need to be present. Now, it gets a little different when we're talking about digital spaces, but at the, at the, core, at the core of it, um, it's a, we just have to think through the sort of digital expression of that. Yeah, if, if I can throw out sort of two ideas related to it, the underlying value is transparency, right? The reason mm -hmm. that you want to have those two adults who are unrelated and don't live together um, is to increase the transparency of information that is shared between youth and adults so that if right. there is something that is, um, you know, controversial or uh, might feel uh, abusive or inappropriate, uh, there are two chances for adults to be able to report that and share those with a youth staff member with the church or make a report, right? right. Um, it, it's a bit of a fail safe. And so bringing that value of transparency uh, into the digital safe space is what really, really is important. Um, yeah. And like I mentioned, that reduces the risk because um, you are then avoiding a space where it's a one-on-one -on -one interaction 
Uh, yep. Because in those one-on-one interactions, there's um, chances for things to be misheard. There's chances mm-hmm. for things to be misunderstood. Uh, and yep. also, if there's any kind of report that is made, it becomes like a one person said, the other person said sort of a thing, yeah. um, which are incredibly difficult to navigate. And um, as the adult in the situation, you're uh, going to find that generally the youth get the benefit of the doubt um, if things ever get to an investigative or a legal point of view, because right. um, it's about protecting the vulnerable. Right. And so if you rewind back a couple of episodes when we were talking about adolescent brain development, um, one of the things that we talked about was the inability of the adolescent brain to understand nonverbal cues and and all that kind of stuff. So when you add that right uh, to uh, to to the mix, you get real clear on how important it is to have that other adult there because like you said if it's he said she said when you're hearing a report from a teenager um, and there's not another adult that can sort of help you clarify and give you another adult's perspective you could be hearing a very skewed experience because their brain misread all the nonverbal cues that happens and so um and so it's it's really really important not it's you know obviously primary reason is for the teenager right primary reason is for the is for the protection of the kids but another very important reason is for the protection of uh the adult volunteers right that if they're not doing anything wrong but there's just a misunderstanding that there's another adult that can say I was there and that's just, he wasn't hitting on her. He was really concerned about her because she was crying. Right. And he was there. There was nothing sketchy um, about, about his patting her on the back or whatever, you know? Um, and, and that's a good. Uh, I was just going to say, and the shape that that will take, you know, sort of depends on the platform or the medium that you're using as well. Right. You know, if it's something like, you know, you and I are doing a Facebook live, Um, or there's a Facebook live worship service or Sunday school lesson, reasonably easy to get two unrelated adults to be active in that at one time. It's a different thing when you're using a social media account and maybe the interactions aren't real time. Right. So, yeah. So let's talk about both of those. Cause I think that's really important. Zoom is, uh, or Facebook live. Um, so when what's really important um, is this two unrelated non-cohabitating adults, right? So what that means for Zoom is best practice uh, is two adults that come into the room first. The kids are in the waiting room until the second adult is there. Mm-hmm. Then you let in the kids from the waiting room and, uh, and then they are there. Uh, if you do breakouts, <clears throat> uh, you you might have a situation that's similar to breakout groups in your youth group and in and, 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 and real space. So something that the way we work around small groups in real space, if you've got a bunch of classrooms, for example, like you're in one of those classrooms right now, Chris, um, if and you're you can if see you're, how nice and open the windows and walls are great, if you're in a classroom and it's just one adult, 
um, and there's a lot of classrooms, uh, then you, the most, every policy I've seen has what's called a floater mm-hmm. where, um, when you're, when you start reducing the size down and you, you can't possibly have enough adults for two in every room, um, you have one adult assigned as a floater who's sort of just available in the facility, walking around. They, they probably don't just barge into each small group, um, but that same kind of thing can work in in Zoom, uh, where if you've got breakout rooms, one of the adults is a floater, and they just sort of pop into the rooms, right? Just pop from room to room, and check in on people, make sure that the the sense of a floater being around is is there, and you're good to go. Now, <clears throat> sometimes uh, there's this weird, you know, there there's most of the policies that I've seen. Um, allow for an adult to be considered a a second adult that is in the room with one of the teens that is on the call, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you don't have to necessarily have an adult in their own little box, which is really helpful if you um, if you end up in a space where you've had you had two adults. And then one of them cancels at the last minute. If you can just find a background checked parent, um, then they will uh, they will count if they stay in the room with their kid. Um, so that's Zoom, right? Yeah. Or or Facebook Live, kind of. Mm-hmm. It depends on how we how much the chat is considered alive. Um, but then the social media accounts are different. They are. Um, and generally, you know, those are not as live, right? And as responsive, but um, they also have some uh, absolutely fantastic capabilities for identifying other account holders to be administrators, uh, to be moderators, uh, and to be able to like message in shared chats or continued conversations, those sorts of things. So, um I might take Discord, right? Because Discord is a place yeah. for people oh, to talk. Huge. And so uh, if you've got a youth ministry and you've set up a server on Discord, um, a couple of the things there uh, is that you can identify adult moderators uh, who have gone through your Safe Sanctuaries background checks. They have gone through your training. And because you're an awesome youth worker, you have included digital components um, as yes. a part of that training as well, right? Like that's another right. piece is that when you're doing the training, make sure that you are um, clearly defining for your adult volunteers. Here's the platforms that we officially use for our church. um, And here's our official church accounts that those are all set up underneath. And when you join our youth ministry discord server, that is part of the official church account, we're going to ask you as the adult to make sure that you use your real name um, and not the cool funky handle that reminds me of like when I was, you know, making my first email address on hot. What was it? What was it? Oh gosh, I, I was a big Colorado Avalanche fan at the time. And so it might have been like Patrick Waugh Rocks 33 or something <laughs> like that. You know, it was it was definitely not Chris.wilcherdink at hotmail.com. But you had a way cooler name than me. Mine was Armoff, which was a character in a book. Oh, oh but but exactly let's be clear. I was at that point into the solid evangelical world. So it was a Frank Peretti book. Oh, there you go. It was a Christian novel. I didn't choose a secular character. Okay. 
Oh man. Um, but yeah, so like we're, we're sort of beyond that with the accounts or the handles right. or the usernames that we would ask your adult volunteers to use. We want the youth to know who is in that space that they're sharing because that is yes. part of creating a safe space. So your adult volunteers have been background checked, they've been trained, they've been identified as a moderator and they are using their name as their username uh, in any of the spaces in which interactions are taking place. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you've got moderators that, uh, you know, you can sort of break it up into shifts or uh, make sure that group chats stay on the right channels or are indeed shared with multiple adults. That's a really, really helpful mm-hmm. Um, it's also something that you can sort of start to bleed over when you're using um, texting services, mm-hmm. making sure that you've got multiple adults uh, or a church staff person. <laughs> if you're church, if you're at a church that has a communications person, um, yep. have that communications person as part of the accounts that you use um, to do text services or, you know, if you're on Slack or pushing any of those, um, just make sure you've got transparency and multiple adults there. Yep. So, and, and some, some of the services, so like, for, for example, um, Facebook, you can have multiple administrators. They have their personal account and you can have multiple administrators of a Facebook page and the official Facebook account uh, for your ministry. That's appropriate. But some services like Instagram, for example, it's not always easy to do that. And so the 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 best practice there is if you can't have sort of your individual account linked to as an administrator of the business account multiple people just have the passwords and are logged in yep Um, and and you as the youth leader have records of who has that login information um and you also have the ability uh, one of the best parts of any of the digital pieces is the the history that those applications will keep so Make sure that you've got it set up where your the applications that you are using to communicate and connect with youth in digital spaces are keeping logs, right? They're keeping activity logs. They are keeping history. You are saving chats. Um, you're yeah. able to see who has logged in at what time using which login, you know, and from where. Um, keep those. Back those up um, yes. so that you've got records of who is officially accessing and volunteering and using their time as a part of the official accounts that you set up. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about texting. Oh, yes. Because I think I think that's that's one of these really it's complicated, right? Uh, because when you have somebody like me that only texts in uh GIFs and memes, that's all I do. Right. No, that's 100 percent Of course. Why would you do anything else? But so it's so teenagers, they text all the time, right? If texting is their thing. They, they might, my son, we had dinner uh, last night. He's a teenager and he turned off notifications on his phone. After dinner, he showed me his Discord notifications. Mm-hmm. Yep. 178. Oh, yeah. During dinner. <laughs> so, uh, so he's mostly Discord, but, but, but texting is, is difficult because uh, students who are, um, who, Texting is their like normal way of communication, communicating with people. Um, we when 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 they text with you, it's we, you don't have two unrelated adults, right? right. And so, uh, most safe sanctuaries policies, and I, th- I feel like the best practice for this is to to say first off, if you're if you are reminding a kid about, oh, don't forget five o'clock, you're you know playing the guitar tonight. 
Yep. You can just straight up text that kid a, a, a random informational reminder. But anything that exists outside of that has to be, has to have another person. And so uh, if a kid texts you and says, I'm going through a really hard time right now, you sort of have two choices. Either you loop in a third person on the text on, on that uh, text message thread, or you bring it to an in-person setting that follows your safe sanctuaries policy. Um, and so, uh, so what I, I, right now I'm, I'm part of so many group texts, uh, because like we, for example, our, one of our pastors has a very non-traditional church gathering that has teenagers and all kinds of different people that show up and have dinner. Um, and, uh, whenever she's communicating with one of the teenagers, I'm the third party, right. And I'm just in all these random group chats and Hey, how we missed you tonight. I hope you're doing okay. How's blah, blah, blah. Right. I could, I'm not, I'm not reading every text message, but, but what she said to, to those teenagers in, in, in a text is like, Hey, pastor Jeremy is on this thing. Churches have gotten in trouble with people not being careful uh, about that. And um, we want, we want our, the kids in our church to be safe. So there's always another adult on here with us. Um, and, and in that, the only time that that's difficult is when things get really personal um, and you can have a private conversation. Uh, it just can't be in text, right? You've got to go find a, find a coffee shop or, uh, or something like that. Uh, so, and, but that, that, that same idea, wherever there's DMS, wherever there's private messaging, mm-hmm. um, if it's not an official church account that most people have, that multiple people have access to, uh, you, you need to loop in another person or move it into the real world. Yep. Uh, and, and I want to come back to something that you mentioned that I also think is really, really important. Um, and that is sort of like, the education or the preparation of the people who are part of your ministry, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, it's not that awkward of a conversation to be able to have when everybody knows that like, this is the expectation. This is how we have these conversations. Yes. Um, And so when you're doing your fall kickoff or summer kickoff or whatever, the big informational Mm -hmm. meetings are that you have, you know, just go ahead and bring up these little pieces as a part of those meetings to say, Hey, here's what our safe sanctuaries policies look like in person. If you and me are texting, just know that Jeremy is always going to be on there too, uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that we've got a second adult on our text thread or anything like that. And then right. when it's when it's in the water, when it's part of the culture of how your group does ministry, um, all of a sudden it feels a lot less awkward than yep. if you've never brought this up with someone before and say, hey, actually, I need somebody else in the room so that we can actually talk about this. Yeah. You know, I think there's the, the when I'm, when we're talking about digital safe sanctuary policy, I think the biggest um uh, the biggest diversity in the policies that i've seen is around following and friending and what the protocols are around that um i I will say my preference if when i get to advise people on safe sanctuaries policy is uh, because because some safe sanctuaries policies like there's never friending or following between adults and kids I, i don't think that's realistic and sometimes rejecting a kid's friend request or follow request is really offensive and says can hurt their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, so my personal preference is that uh, only official church accounts 
initiate connections with kids. Correct. Right. So a new kid shows up, the youth group account follows them, friends them, whatever it is. Yep. That's fine. Uh, and for personal accounts, it's always the other way. Right. If a kid follows or friends an adult account, they can follow back or accept the friend request. Um, and then there's sort of like a middle ground uh, and it works uh, in smaller in smaller churches or medium-sized churches where uh, the adult, uh, when they receive a friend request, gets permission from the parent to friend back or follow or whatever. That's fine when it's a, a smaller group of kids and you can kind of know who the parents are. It's more complicated when it gets uh, larger. Uh, True. And, and um, yeah, so I think that's, that's an important piece as well. Um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because um, I, I sort of want to talk about like the regularity of communication as well. Um, mm -hmm. There are so many platforms out there that it is absolutely unrealistic um, to imagine that you or your ministry could be on all the platforms at all the time, making sure yes. that you're doing all the things. It's impossible. You just can't do it. Um, so set up those official accounts, make sure that uh, you know what they are and make sure that you know who at your church is trained as an administrator, as a moderator, as a content poster for those yes. accounts. Uh, and then you know what? Be really regular about it because the way that the algorithms of these communication platforms are set up, uh, the more frequent and regular you are, the better chance you have of the people on the other end seeing the messages that you are putting out. Um, yeah. The conference that I'm at right now, Leading Edge, actually, um, one of the churches has a super duper heavy Instagram presence. Um, mm -hmm. But one of the limitations of Instagram is uh, you really, if you're going to type out captions, it's not as if, you know, people are going to scroll down and read every caption that you have or all the hashtags or anything like that. They're going to look at the image. They're going to like it or not. But you can put a link in your bio right. um, for people to follow. But if you're trying to do something really specific and you're changing that link in your bio every week or every 10 days, <laughs> right. it's super ineffective because by the time somebody sees it a week later, um, the link takes them to something else. And so using a service like Linktree, um, where you can have a one link that takes them to a centralized place of all of the activities for your youth ministry to click on in the bio, it's a big one. It's a great one um, and easy to do, but you have to be able to have folks that know the platforms you're using well in order to know mm -hmm. sort of the tips and tricks and best practices within that platform. Yeah. And then I think, um, yeah, I think that's, that's so important. And the other piece is uh, most of the safe sanctuaries policies I've seen um, have some sort of statement in there about uh platforms that have disappearing message functionality. Yeah. And I've most of them that I've seen say you just can't use that. <laughs> right? You can have your personal Snapchat, but you can't connect with the teens there. Yeah. Right? And you but and there's not there's not to be a a a youth group official Snapchat account, which is which can be frustrating if Snapchat is the only thing that any of your kids ever use. But the danger of some of the ways some of the platforms are built, um, it's just it's too high a risk. And and so, uh, disappearing message functionality is is an important thing to look at. The other really important thing to look at is the visibility of the actual user, uh, a a static username, sure. and so. We some account episode yeah 
Yeah. So, so that's an important thing to know as well. Uh, there, there's one other piece I want to make sure that we bring up before we talk about um, sort of a real world example that's out there because those are oh, all yeah. helpful. Um, okay. and, and that is, you know, a, another significant piece of safe sanctuaries policies generally is uh, the person who is considered an adult and doing this supervising, uh, in addition to being background checked and trained, is also at least five years older than the folks that they are charged with providing care for, right? Yep. Um, so you don't have a ninth grader in charge of eighth graders. Um, yes. But uh, somebody who is in 12th grade, perhaps if it's the right youth and they're willing to go through the training, might be able to be somebody who could serve with like a fifth or a sixth grade group. Um, when you're looking at digital uh, safe sanctuaries pieces, make sure that your moderators and your admins are five years older um, than the folks that they are moderating, right? Um, mm -hmm. It could be a nice opportunity for some student leadership, right, to equip the right youth to maybe be able to be moderators or to give some sort of increased responsibility within your social media accounts. Um, yep. But do not count them as an adult or expect no. them to act in an adult way um, with those additional responsibilities or powers. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. Yeah, it, it makes sense. And it's much more complicated. Well, not much more complicated. It's more complicated online because generally all these platforms are accessible to all of the kids in your group and not just some. Very true. And so when you're talking about social media accounts, uh, that, that freshman in college also doesn't count. Yep. Nor does the junior in college. Uh, they, they can be on there. You can give them those leadership roles. But if you've got 12th graders on there, you know, you've got to look at your policy. Most of them are five. Some of them are four. But, but you've got to have that number of years uh, uh, in addition for them to count towards that. Um, you're having two, two college interns. Uh, the only people that have access to your Instagram account does not count. Yeah, I, you know, I was just going to start to think about those internship programs, right? Because if you yep. are lucky enough to have an intern um, or at a church where that's a, a program and part of somebody's vocational discernment, they're going to want that support as well, right? Like you don't want to hang out that intern all by themselves to kind of sink or swim. Um, you want to provide support for them. And right. in online settings, that's another one of those places. Have somebody that is more than five years older than the oldest youth that would be accessing those official church accounts to be able to be an admin or a moderator. So, you know, we buried the lead here, Chris. Uh, there is there is a church that went online during the pandemic and never came back, stayed online, right? An all online United Methodist Church. So, yeah. uh, and the uh, the name of this church is Checkpoint Church. Um, Checkpointchurch.com. Yeah, uh, I'll put the link in the Facebook Live and we'll make sure it's on the podcast page as well. Uh, technically, this was going to be a new church plant that uh, was going to be in North Carolina, but uh, because of the pandemic, went online and said, you know what? We're doing great in the virtual space. So we are yeah. just going to be completely online. And because they are a completely online church. They also have a pretty tremendous real world policy for risk reduction and abuse prevention in terms of online ministry. So um, the, the website that you already mentioned is checkpointchurch.com. Um, and then if you add forward slash safe point. Man, uh, they are safe, so on brand. Look at that. That not safe sanctuaries. There's Checkpoint Church. They've got Safe Point. I love that. Ooh, That's yeah. great. So great branding. Safe, safe Point is the name that they've got. But if you go to that landing page, um, they have done a great job of really 
doing almost everything that we've talked about in terms of having transparency about their policy, uh, in terms of having multiple moderators, uh, in terms of linking to official church accounts, and then being very, very clear about what their response plan is uh, if any of the boundaries that they've set up within their policy get crossed. So wanted to make sure that we lifted that up because um, we want everybody to know that this isn't just theoretical stuff. It is absolutely real world. Um, and if if somehow you made it through the pandemic not doing digital youth ministry, um, yeah. it is not a question of if, but when, uh, yep. because any of the stuff that we have picked up over the last several years, um, digital interactions aren't going anywhere. Uh, in right. fact, they will continue to be a more and more integral part of the ministry opportunities that you create. So um, don't shy away from interactions in the digital space and use the real world resources and our crash course to make sure you're setting the table well for yourself. Absolutely. Uh, All right. I think we're doing one more of these on digital youth ministry. So, uh, if people wanted to hang out with us next week, uh, we'll kind of close up shop on uh, digital youth ministry. Yep. I look forward to our next conversation. Absolutely. We'll see you guys next week.